It's been a long day without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come along. Well, hello, and welcome to Riffs on Riffs, where we explore the collision of original and sample tracks and the artists who made them. I'm your host, Joe Watson. I'm here with my co host, Toby Braswell. What's up, Toby? Man, hearing this song, let yeah. me tell you what's up. Hearing this song, when I see you again, all I can think about is the. the is seeing me again across the way? Okay, I wasn't going to say that, but it is good seeing you. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm thinking about the Browns, man. I'm thinking about football season. I'm thinking wow. about the Ohio you State wanna... Buckeyes. I cannot wait for football season yeah, to I'm get with started. You. I'm with you. I'm, I'm ready for that, but I'm not ready to let summer go. I'm and speaking you. of you know what, and speaking of summer, we have a special guest in the studio today. Yeah. Who's not quite done with summer. Yes. So let's give a shout out to to my daughter who I brought in for Bring Your Daughter to Podcast Day. There we go. What's up, Maya's in the house. Woo-hoo! All right, together on the show, we listen to the legendary tracks and the timeless, but sometimes not so well known songs that they sampled from. Tobe, what are we listening to today? We are listening to the song See You Again by Wiz Khalifa featuring Charlie Puth. Let's hop in the DeLorean and find out exactly what track was sampled to make this hit. Rewind! Yep. Mm. Didn't see that one coming, did yes. you? Yes! He's swinging now. We haven't even gotten to the man yet, and it's already fun. <laughs> Hello, emptiness. I think I'm gonna die. There goes my baby. Oh, there he is. With someone new. Man, he's smooth. She sure looked happy, and I'm so blue. She was my baby. Please tell the good people what we are listening to. This is the song Bye Bye Love by Ray Charles. And while this was originally a smash hit for the Everly Brothers in 1957, Ray covered it on his 1962 album Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music. Well, this album was a crossover success for Ray, gaining mainstream airplay on both R&B and country radio stations. What? I know. Kind of ironic, considering, you know, the whole hubbub we were just talking about one of our recent episodes with Little Nas X and Old Town Road. You remember all that? I do. Mm-hmm. I sincerely do. So in case any of you were wondering what Ray would have to say about all that, here's some quotes from him on the topic. The words to country songs are very earthy, like blues, you see? Very down. Very down. They're not as dressed up, and the people are very honest and say, look, I miss you, darling. So I went out. And I got drunk at the bar. <laughs> right, right. That's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty the way clear. you say it. That's, that's the, the way, way to say, say it. it. <laughs> you take country music, you take black music, you got the same goddamn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, look, look, ladies and gentlemen, the man has spoken. So can we just stop with all this genre nonsense? Amen. All right, Tobe, why don't we back up a little bit and dive into the history of Ray Charles. So Ray Charles Robinson was born on September 23, 1930, in Albany, Georgia, and grew up in Greenville, Florida. Ray grew up with his mother and endured difficult financial hardships and the tragic loss of his younger brother, George, at a young age. Yeah, well, Ray began playing the piano at the age of three, and he also started to lose his sight around the age of four. He was blind, actually, by the age of seven. However, Ray's mom was able to get him enrolled in the Florida School for the Deaf and Blind from 1937 to 1945. And while there, Ray was able to further develop his musical skills, where he learned to play classical piano and read Braille music. 
He enjoyed classical but felt himself more drawn to jazz, blues, and country music he heard on the radio. Well, after the loss of his mother at age 14, man, that is a rough childhood, he left school and moved to Jacksonville where he took a gig playing the piano for bands at the Ritz Theater. Ray always wanted to have his own band, and so at the age of 17, he headed off to Seattle, which is also where he became friends with another young cat that would go on to be a pretty big deal, Quincy Jones. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. that's a big deal. (laughs) Well, Ray formed a band called the McSun Trio and recorded his first national hit, Confession Blues, in 1949. Let's take a listen. I want to tell you a story. Tell me a story. I want to hear this story. (laughs) Oh, baby boy was once in love. I feel like I know this one. <laughs> I want to tell you a story of a boy who was watching love. Mm-hmm. Tell me about it. And oh, how the boy was him. That I so Confession Blues would hit the number two spot on the Billboard R&B charts, even though it was mistakenly labeled on the record as the Maxon Trio instead of the Mixon Trio. Look, I, you can call me whatever you want. As long as, it's, <laughs> as long as it's a hit record, I'm good. For sure, for sure. So after a couple of successful singles, Ray moved to L.A. in 1950 and spent a few years touring with the guitarist Lowell Fulson, a blues pioneer in his own right. Yeah, without a doubt. His uh, Lowell's tracks, Reconsider Baby and Three O'Clock Blues, have become blues standards. And actually, 3 O'Clock Blues was his first hit in 1948, reaching number six on the R&B charts. Let's have a listen. Nothing good happens then. (laughs) Oh, you can't sleep at 3 o'clock. It's a problem. You know you you got issues. (laughs) You know I can't find my little baby. People, I can't be satisfied. You need a flashlight. You can't find (laughs) him. That's what he needs. Check under the bed. Make sure you got some good batteries. <laughs> My goodness. So a cover of 3 O'Clock Blues will also be one of the songs that launched the legendary B.B. King into a mainstream audience. Now, his cover released at the end of 1951 spent 17 weeks on the Billboard Man, R&B chart. 17 weeks, dog. That's a lot, right? Yeah. Including five weeks at number one. Let's, let's take a listen to that. I love me some so, BB. So, somehow his three o'clock sound different. <laughs> I feel it a little more. Well, I can't find my his three o'clock sound like three fifteen. That, that's <laughs> that, that, that's a little harder. <laughs> Man. Well, this song was one of the first times that he can be heard exploring that vocal call and response to his guitar, Lucille. Though, actually, I'm. Not even sure if Lucille was in existence yet. You know, I've heard you talk about hearing MCs earlier in their careers and kind of sounding young on the mic, you like to say? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of examples of that, right? So, you know, mainstream or, you know, people that are pretty well known. Yeah, you you take uh, Jay-Z is a really good example. Yeah. Tupac is a really good example. Eminem is an awesome example. Like the early stuff, right? The early stuff compared to, you know, the style that he's actually adopted now. There's, you know, definitely... You see artists growing into their own persona. And sometimes, you know, there's a public, you know, feeling out and yep. exploration period that happens. So. Totally. So I, I feel like I hear this with BB on this track. His his trademark licks, they're still kind of there in, in their infancy there. And he's just kind of starting to explore that fun interplay between his voice and his instrument and, you know, becoming the BB King we all know and love. 
No doubt, no doubt. So going back to Lowell Fulson, there's one more interesting thing that I really want to point out. All right, lay it on me. So there's obviously a long history of people like Elvis and bands like Beatles and the Rolling Stones copying songs from artists like Chuck Berry and many of the blues giants that came before. Yeah, and, and those those cats have generally been pretty quick to point out those influences and pay homage to the great R&B blues masters. Sometimes I think that we forget that great music is a dialogue and that those influences go back and forth in interesting ways. I kind of feel like you've got an example for me here. I do. I do. So glad that you asked. <laughs> so you remember that track from the Beatles' White Album, Why Don't We Do It in the Road? Oh, Row? boy. Yeah. It's like <laughs> Paul's ode to the simplicity of monkey love. Why, why, why do you ask, Doug? Well, that was released in 1968. Let's take a listen to the original. Wow! Get it, Paul. Mm. Why don't we do well, he sounds like he hasn't eaten in like four days. <laughs> He's <so> hungry. I think the message is pretty clear on this it one, It is. It, he's saying that in the road, we should do it. That, that, that's, that's pretty much it. Why don't we do it in the road? Okay. 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 So message pretty clear on this one. So, you know, definitely is. But Lowell Folson, he covered this a year later in 1969, adding a few more key locales to the main message to the song. Let's take a listen to that. Why can't we do it in the house? <laughs> you know what? I think, I think this is his wife's response. She's, she's, she's like, no, no, no. The house is fine. We don't need to be in the road. Stop it. PDA is 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 not appropriate. We gonna go in the house. That's what we gonna do. Not the porch. Not the front yard. Not the backyard. House in the house. Drawn. Curtains yeah. drawn. Stop it. Uh, so I, I think I see what you're saying about the dialogue here. While a style or genre maybe begins in one place, it's pretty cool when those same originators listen to those that came after. And then kind of start to adopt some of the new vocabulary. So, great stuff, my man. All right, back to Ray. But yeah. that just, before we get back to Ray, yeah. that, that's blatant taking, though, right? I mean, it, I mean, to me, it feels like taking. I mean, let's do it in the road, let's do it in the house. I mean, you, seriously? <laughs> well, I mean, it's a remake of, I mean, it was, it, it was a year later. He wasn't hiding the fact that he was like, oh, cool, I'm going to redo this song. So, it was... I don't All think right. it, was nothing, it was. There was no, nothing nefarious going on there. Nothing nefarious. There Love wasn't it. anything nefarious. No, I, I, if I'm going to use I proper understand. grammer, I understand. For all you English teachers out there. <laughs> so in June of 1952, Atlantic Records bought Ray's contract, and he had a couple of hits with "Mess Around" and "It Should Have Been Me." Then in 1954, he scored a number one R&B hit with "I Got a Woman." Now let's give that a listen. She gave me money. Mm. Mm, that's a good woman. Yes, that's a good woman. <laughs> that's a good woman. <laughs> yes. I got a woman. Yes. Way over time. Way over time now. That's good to me. That's good. That's right. Talk about it. Oh, yeah. So this was written by Ray with lyrics by band leader Renald Richard. Ray admits that it borrows heavily, and some might say it interpolates, the gospel song, It Might Be Jesus. No, It Must Be Jesus. It might not it be. Might, it, it might must be. be. <laughs> it must be Jesus. Let's clarify. Recorded by the Southern Tones that same year. Let's give that one a spin. <laughs> it might be Jesus. <laughs> I don't think that's ever in question, right? Right, 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 right. Wow. Listen to that. 
I got a woman. It might be Jesus. Wait, it might be. <laughs> wow. Yeah. His interpolation. Man, I've never heard this. No, I mean, I didn't either until I did the homework for this. So in 2005, Kanye and Jamie Foxx would use a sample of I Got a Woman to propel the hit song Gold Digger straight to number one on the Billboard 100. Yeah, so Kanye makes another appearance later on this episode. Look, say what you want, and there's a lot that can be said about Kanye. Definitely. That man does know how to pick samples. So let's hear Gold Digger. Man, let me tell you, I had all these words memorized. All these words. Are you saying you didn't have a woman that gave you money? <laughs> All I'm saying is I had these words memorized. <laughs> well played. Ray's breakthrough hit on the pop charts came in 1959 with What I Say. It came about as an improvisation at the end of a show one night, and the audience loved it so much that he had to record it. What I'd Say reached number one on the R&B charts and number six on the Billboard Hot 100. It also caused a bit of a stir as its lyrics were pretty risque for the time. Not Ray. Not Ray being risque. <laughs> yeah, what are you right? talking about? Yeah. <laughs> he of that, yeah, okay. As Ray would later say in an interview, see the girl with the diamond ring? She knows how to shake that thing. Does she now? It wasn't the diamond ring that got him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's listen to what I'd say. All right. See the girl with the diamond ring? She knows how to shake that thing all right. I guess audiences would just go nuts for this song. Hey, hey. Hey, hey. Hey, you got somebody out there singing gospel riffs and saying it ain't, it must be, it ain't yeah. Jesus. This, right. this, it ain't that diamond ring either. It's something else. People in a frenzy. Man, oh man. So what well, Ray's contract with Atlantic was up in 1959, and a number of big labels offered him a new deal. So he signed with ABC Paramount and made the wise business decision to retain ownership of his master tapes. So his first hit single for the new label was 1960's Georgia On My Mind, mm. which went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and won four Grammys. So let's give that one a spin. Please. Georgia. Yeah, right? Georgia. Just stop. Stop it. The whole you know what? We should have talked again one more, one more time before we did this episode because there's a uh, ludicrous sample of this. Oh, okay. And he's got a great song because he's from Georgia and it's it's an awesome song that he uh, he puts in there. We'll, we'll throw it up. We'll on, throw it on we'll the, throw it throw it later. social yeah. or whatever. So you know who else hit number one and won a Grammy for this, right? Mm, give me a hint. So he's one of the happiest people on the planet where cannabis was legalized in some states. Wait, Snoop did a cover of Georgia on my mind? <laughs> <laughs> no, he did not. Perhaps uh, this is someone else a little bit more ecstatic? Hmm. Well, I can only think of one person that might be a little happier when weed was legalized. Mm. And that would be the redheaded stranger himself, Shotgun Willie Nelson. Yep, yep. So he recorded it in 1978 for his Stardust album. See, you could have could have known just from the album title. Stardust. <laughs> <laughs> Stardust. Okay, buddy. Okay. Let's give that a listen. Georgia. Georgia. The whole day through. I 
forget. I think people forget that Willie just can sing. Man, he, he, he can take his time, man. When he takes his time with yeah. a song, man, you, you can't deny it. That's one thing I love about country music, right, is that... You take your time. You take your time with the mm-hmm. song. R&B, they can do that too as well. Yeah. They can take the time. It's just different. You know, a lot of people think they're not related, but man, there have been so many times where you have a, a hit song that's R&B and then a country singer will actually take it. Unpack it and, and make and, it. And, yeah, yeah, make give it, it a country. Different vibe. And it's like, yeah. wow, man, that's amazing. That's, that's, that's yeah, tight. that's cool. Well, another interesting tidbit about that song, it was first written in 1930. Mm. by a guy named Hoagie Carmichael. Love with, that name. With, right? With lyrics by Stuart Gorell. Look, you're right, man. We hear some cool names on the show. Yes, we do. And I feel like, like with a name like Hoagie Carmichael, you you got to be destined for greatness. Or a career as a, as, a, as a Subway sandwich artist. One of the two. Oh, if you, you, you Hoagie. I see, Hoagie. I see what you did there. Your name is Hoagie. <laughs> well, Hoagie was actually one of the most successful writers in Tin Pan Alley, huh. which we'll talk about a little bit more in our bonus material. But he wrote Georgia on My Mind in 1930, which is pretty cool. Definitely pretty cool. So the story goes that he and his college buddy, Stuart, were at a party where Hoagie played the music for what will become the song. Now, after the party wrapped up, they headed to a friend's apartment for some more scotch. Mm-hmm. After and, party, I think you they know call how that. that. Yeah, <laughs> been there. Nightcap. So it spent the rest of the night finishing the tune for which Stuart wrote the lyrics. It was actually the only song lyrics that Stewart ever wrote, and he went on to become a VP at Chase Bank. And here's, really? Yeah, I know, right? So, yeah. It, it, this is a classy move from Hoagie, though. He always made sure to send the royalty checks to Stewart, even though Stewart was never actually legally credited on the song. That definitely is pretty cool. And, and what's also cool is that money helped put Stewart's daughter through college after he died. So what a great story of doing the right thing and paying it forward. So Ray's version of Georgia on my mind will go on to become the official song of the state of Georgia. For good reason. Well, in 1961, Ray Charles would turn another cover into a Grammy-winning hit. This time with the Percy Mayfield track, Hit the Road, Jack. Ooh, we're about to have fun. Yeah, let's, let's get hear, it. Let's hear Percy's original, because it's pretty cool, too. Oh, woman, no oh, woman, you sure is mean. you the meanest old woman that I ever <laughs> seen. But I guess if you say so, bop, bop. I better I thank that. Bop, bop, bop. That's right. Get the road, Jack, and don't come back no more. You know Percy lived this. No more, no more. Get the road, Jack, and don't come back no more. What did you really think about about her? Was she was she night? No, she's the meanest. She's the, the meanest, meanest old woman thing. that I ever did see. <laughs> so let's listen to how Ray would do it. Okay, let's how Ray did it. Let's let's listen to that. Oh woman, oh woman, don't oh, treat me so mean. You're the meanest old woman that I've ever seen. I guess if you say so. So let me say this, man. That video that you sent to me last week. Oh, we're getting to it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so, Ray, you know what? We have to share this with the listeners. So there's this intro. So Ray did a live appearance on a British show called Saturday Live, which I don't know which came. I'm assuming Saturday Night Saturday Night Live came first. But but then the Brits were like, we'll just do Saturday Live. Sure. Why not? Uh, unless I'm completely wrong on that. And they came first. I have we'll no do idea. it at 6 o'clock and <laughs> not 8 o'clock. So it's Saturday night. Yeah. Well, in 96, Ray does a live appearance and plays Hit the Road, Jack. And this just cracks. This intro cracks me up. So let's let's share it. And you know, friend, 
I was so excited. I just left and I started whistling to myself. <laughs> oh man, oh, I'm thinking man. when I get home, what are we gonna do? Woman gonna be so glad to see me. Yes. I know she gonna open the door. Yes. And she gonna open her arms. Mm-hmm. And I know she gonna open. Oh, oh, I, I was wrong as hell. <laughs> I tell you right now, she was waiting on me, all right, right in the middle of the living room floor. I couldn't believe oh, it. Oh man, I loved it. I loved it. So he he might have been wrong as hell, but his version of "Hit the Road, Jack" was right. I mean, it hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100 and won him a Grammy for Best Rhythm and Blues Recording. So now we get to Ray's seminal 1962 album, Modern Sounds in Country and Western Music, which contains our first featured track, Bye Bye Love. So this was a bold album for Ray on many levels. So 1961 was obviously a time of tension and racial segregation. And announcing that he would do a country album caused a lot of backlash from critics and peers. Yeah, but fortunately, Ray had been given artistic leeway and creative freedom from the ABC Paramount label. So he was able to convince them to kind of forge ahead with the concept. The producer of the album, Sid Feller, sifted through about 250 popular country songs to find ones that he thought Ray could do his best interpretation of. So from here, Ray worked his magic on the tracks, assembling his big band and building arrangements that suited his vision. And that vision proved to be golden. Modern Sounds and Country and Western Music reached number one on the Billboard Pop Albums chart, won the Grammy for Best R&B Recording, and was nominated for Album of the Year. So I, I love this success story, right? Yeah. I love this because he tried something different. Yep. You know, and actually was had a vision. for it. Had a vision for it and, and, and did it. Thought it would work. You know, you and I, we oftentimes, we talk about failure, right? Oh, we yeah. talk about, so even if it didn't end up being number one, I still think it's worth doing. Failure is part of success. That's right. And I want the listeners to know that, right? So it, not all chances, right? Not all chances that we take. It always work, my friend. No. That's for sure. That's right. So it's, it's, it's all part of, of life. So besides our first feature track, Bye Bye Love, the album had four other charting singles, including the number one hit, I Can't Stop Loving You. Let's take a listen to that. They say that time mm-hmm. a broken heart. It just feels like a Southern Baptist yes. preacher could could talk in between the lines right. <laughs> of, of everything that's been And it's like a good country song. It's telling a story, yeah, yeah. and you just want to take your time and, and take feel your time. it as you're listening to it. Good music is good music, man. Absolutely. We talk about it all the time. Well, there's a ton more we could talk about regarding the man known as the genius. By the way, when your peers call you the genius, you know you've got some... That means you got the title. But it's time to turn our attention to our second featured artist, another singer, songwriter, producer, and piano player with extraordinary talents, Charlie Puth. So besides those obvious parallels, it's interesting that the thread that connects these two artists is a simple vocal stab from the beginning of Bye Bye Love. First, let's hear Ray in that song. Yeah, I just put, like, that beginning three times, because that's all it is. Yep! 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 <laughs> that's it. Just just that right there. That's um, it? That's it. So let's hear, I mean, you kind of have to, like, listen for it, but let's hear how it's featured in See You Again. See? Damn. Just kind of tucked back there. Wow. Which is crazy to me. It's like, I mean, who doesn't want to sample Ray? That's what you sample? Paying for that? That's what you're <laughs> sampling and clearing and all of that? You can't just have somebody, you know, do that. that. Do that. 
how many artists have we talked about in previous episodes? I didn't bother to clear it. Yeah. So, I mean, he took the, you know, took the time, and I'm sure they're like, oh, for that, oh, dude, here, $200. (laughs) (laughs) $200. $2, right? So, Ray was a master at conveying emotion through grunts, growls, and vocal embellishments. Wasn't he? Yeah. That's that's what made you feel it, though, Mm -hmm. right? So, it's fitting to have that be featured in the song, for sure. All right, well, let's learn a little bit more about the man that sings the chorus on this Wiz Khalifa track, Charlie Puth. Tobe, can you fill us in a little bit on his history? Absolutely. So Charlie Otto Puth was born on December 2nd, 1991 in Rumson, New Jersey. Now, his dad was involved in real estate, and his mother was a music teacher who actually wrote some commercials for HBO. So is this his real name, Charlie, not Charles? I'm curious. Uh, that's, I have that's, no idea. That's the notes that I have. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, you know, that's cool. Yeah, right. Um, so before we go too far into the discussion of all things Charlie or Charles, we'll call mm-hmm. him Charlie because that's clearly what he goes by. Sure. I did want to mention one interesting thing. It's the fact that he has perfect pitch. Listen, I heard that too, and I, I'll be, I'll be honest with you, Joe. I really don't think that that's amazing. What? I, I, I don't. So honestly, both my sister and I have that. What? As well. It, it's nothing. Stop it. No, seriously, we we have it. It's really nothing to brag about. And yeah, not maybe if you have it. You know, if you have Netflix, you, you have it. If you have Hulu, <laughs> you have it. And if you have Amazon Prime, you could get it. Buddy, it's not buddy, that no, amazing. No, 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 no. What are you talking about? I think you're talking about Pitch Perfect, right? The movie with Anna Kendrick and Rebel Wilson. Well, that's, came what, out in that's what we're talking about. No, sir. <laughs> It's a great movie, all three of them or whatever, but no, that's not not what we're talking about. It's one of my faves. It's good, yeah. (laughs) Well, for those who don't know, perfect pitch is the ability to name a frequency or note just from hearing it played. Oh, gotcha, gotcha. You you with me now, buddy? I'm with you. Okay, I'm with you. So all jokes aside, this is a special skill, and it's pretty rare. So only one in 10,000 people in the country have it. Apparently Toby and his sister. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Sally style playing. <laughs> so I first heard about Charlie Puth having it from my wife. She said that Charlie was a guest on the Elvis Duran radio show, and Elvis played several notes, and Charlie would just guess them, and he guessed them all correct. Yeah. I was completely blown away. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, it's definitely one of those things you don't run into a lot. I've heard it. Honestly, I've heard that it can be problematic in some ways. For example, there's a tendency to pay attention to various sounds out in the world and assign pitches to them. Like you're walking around, you're like, I hear birds, I hear car horns, I hear whatever. And it's like your brain just needs to process it. And also instruments themselves are generally, they're just not quite in tune. Right. Just the nature of the beast. So those slight pitch discrepancies, they can be really annoying to those of us, even who don't have perfect pitch. Right, 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 um, right. Regardless, I'm sure when you're creating music, it's pretty useful and it comes in handy. Absolutely. So the other thing that comes in handy is is your mother being a music teacher mm-hmm. and receiving lessons from her at the age of four. Yeah, that would be useful. Man. I would have liked that. Well, Charlie started studying jazz, and by the sixth grade, he must have been quite a musician because that Christmas— He went door-to-door and sold his self-recorded and produced Christmas album called A Merry Charlie Christmas in sixth grade. Sixth grade. I'm looking at my son, right? He's about to go in fifth grade. I'm like, you got some work to do. Maya, I hope you're paying attention in there. (laughs) Man. I'm kidding. You're doing great. Yeah, 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 for sure. So the $600 that he made on the sales certainly beats whatever lemonade or eggnog stand that I used to have. You did not have an eggnog stand. How how, how does that even work? What what is an eggnog stand? Well, okay, so as far as it it, it working, it's a very short Is this in the winter? 
is a very short <laughs> venture, right? But you know, I don't like the cold weather. That was number one. <laughs> number two was there was something that I was missing. They call it a, 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 a liquor license, <laughs> right? So as Jay-Z would say, grand opening, grand closing. I, I, so, I'm still proud of you, buddy. For whatever that thanks, was, man. I'm still proud of you. <laughs> we talked about failure. This was definitely one of those, right? So back to Charlie. He's definitely a smart guy and started his own YouTube channel called Charlie Vlog with acoustic covers. Now, things really started to take off after winning a singing competition sponsored by Perez Hilton. The singing competition was called Can You Sing? And in 2011, this dude won it, along with songstress Emily Luther. They sang Adele's song, Someone Like You. Now, let's take a listen to their rendition of the song. Why is so shy? I'd like you to hold back or hide from the light. So, in watching the video for this, and I've heard Adele's song, yeah. you know, numerous times. I was totally captivated. Totally captivated. I was so into it. I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I yeah. get it. Emily can sing. Like, yeah. where did she go? Because she's got pipes. I, know. I didn't get a chance. I was going to research her. And this makes me very curious. Because actually the song highlights more of her it than it does Charlie. And she's so good. Yeah. Well, that same year, he and Emily were both signed to Ellen DeGeneres' label 1111 based mm -hmm. on the strength of that performance. Eventually, Charlie left that label, and in October of 2013, he independently released the EP Ego. So in 2015, he signed with Atlantic Records, and in February 2015, he released his first single, Marvin Gaye, which features Miss All About That Bass, Megan Trainor. Mm -hmm. So this is a fun song. Let's check it out. Let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. Now, I like Megan a lot. Yeah, she's cool. She's fun. She believes in, in harmonies. And these two together, I think, okay. It's a fun song. Yeah. She's got that old, that old you know, sound like, to like, it. Like, why don't we do it in the road? Let's just Marvin Gaye. Or the house, whatever. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, it is a fun song. And this has to be at least the second or third time that we've mentioned the legend that is Marvin Gaye on this show. Yeah. As with most things that involve Marvin, this song is gold. Actually, it was certified two times platinum in Australia and reached number two on the U.S. Billboard Top 100 charts. So, well, as, you know, as they say, the hits would just keep on coming. So Charlie will go on to write and co-produce our second feature track with Wiz Khalifa for the Furious 7 soundtrack. Now, this song was a dedication to actor Paul Walker. Yeah, See You Again stayed at number one for 12 consecutive weeks and was nominated for three Grammy Awards, including Song of the Year. Definitely pretty impressive. So Marvin Gaye and three other songs were featured on his 2015 EP, Some Type of Love. Now, his full-length album, which was called Nine Track Mind, was released on January 29th in 2016 and featured all the songs from the EP and a few more hits that you might have heard on the radio. Well, let's take a listen to one of those singles, One Call Away, which reached number 12 on the Billboard 100. This sounds exactly like what my wife would say when I'm late for dinner. Like, you know what? You could have texted. You, you don't even have to call. One you can call. text. <laughs> one text away. One text away. Good song. 
Good song. So his third and final single from his debut album is actually one of my favorites, and it's called We Don't Talk Anymore, and it features Selena Gomez. Now, Joe, I'm sure you've heard the song a couple of times, right? A couple right? times, yeah, just, just a couple. <laughs> well, Gomez's recording session took all of 15 minutes to do, and I th- she just like walked into a closet and recorded it, which is kind of fun. Basically. Yeah, so it goes to show that good tunes don't have to take forever in a day to create. And here's another interesting factoid. This video has over... 2.2 billion views, and Selena is nowhere to be found in it. Nowhere! Nowhere, which, of course, led the internet to wonder if Charlie and Selena talk anymore. Mm. Mm-hmm. Well, question. let's have a listen. should have known your love was a game. Now I can't get you out of my brain. Oh, it's such a shame. We don't talk anymore. So, I will be honest, I've heard the other songs before, the Marvin Gaye, whatever. Yeah. This was the song that did it for me. Yeah, I feel he, he's starting to come into his own Like, Yeah, I was like, here. man, I feel this. I feel this, you know? Totally agree. He's doing a nice balancing of the upper tones in his register and then just laying down that bass groove that just, it's it's nice. There's a lot of space in between. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. His range is, yeah. is actually wider than what you would think. But if you hear him talk, when I heard the the, the Elvis interview, yeah. his voice is actually low. Is it? His speaking voice is actually low. I was like, wow, dude. And you sing relatively high a right. lot. Yeah. You know, so I, I love it. So anyway, back to him. So Voice Notes is actually the title of Charlie Puth's second album. And that was released on May 11th in 2018. So the lead single from that album is a song called Attention. Now, this is my I love jam. This track. Man. Yeah, we're going to play this live. We're going yeah. to do it? Let's listen to that right now. But you're not coming home with me tonight. You just want attention. The bass. Stop it. Stop it with the bass. That's just a keyboard. I know. So you watched the same, you must have watched yeah, the same the, video the, I did. The making of it. Yeah. And I was like, wait, did he just? Because I actually went through and figured this bass line out on the bass. And I was like, man, there's some stuff going on that I'm trying to figure out how it's played. When I'm like, well, because it wasn't played on a bass, right? It was played on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, man, this song is, this song is great. You, you know what else I love about this song? Beside the killer bass groove? Yes. I mean, yes. But something else. Well, the way he's paying homage to Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam with the production. Okay, that's pretty cool, too, actually. But Dang. no, it's his use of the anti-drop. Anti-drop. Yeah, the anti-drop. So, so, so he's got bad allergies, what you're telling me? <laughs> you know what? I don't know, actually. <laughs> but uh, he was deliberately going against the idea of this musical pause being followed up by some sort of big bang moment or the drop. Like, you know this, right, Tobe? You get silent for a minute, and you have that pause, and it's like, boom, we come in really loud with this whole like thing, and it's epic, and we hear this all the time in pop music. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about, partner. And, you know... Charlie actually has a quote directly talking about this. So he says, my least favorite word in music. Oh, my God, here comes the drop. <laughs> right. And then I don't give him the drop. Oh, so I give him, I give him the anti-drop. So let's hear how he does that on the song Attention. You got me thinking about when you were mine. We're getting slow. We're building. We're building. And now I'm all upon you. What you expect? Okay, I'm waiting for it. Here comes the drop. home with me tonight. I love it. It's so good. <laughs> and it... And you know recording like I know recording, right? Yeah. We try to keep all the breaths out. Right. And he's just like, no, nope, like, no. here you go. It's so good. I love that. 
Well, three other singles from Voice Notes have charted in the top 100, and Puth has already collaborated as a songwriter and producer with several artists in his young career, including Boys to Men, actually, who are on Voice Notes, Jason Derulo, G-Eazy, CeeLo, One Direction's Liam Payne, Lil Wayne. I'm, I'm sure we're going to be hearing a lot more music from him in the years to come. Yeah, I definitely think this guy, you're going to hear his name along with uh, Grammy nominations yeah, uh, you know, going forward. I mean, yep. he, he's... He's figured it out. I mean, I think he's he's really, really good. So for sure, man, I, I know he's just getting started. So earlier in the show, you mentioned Tin Pan Alley, like when we were talking about Hoagie Carmichael. Man Hoagie. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to know if you want to get in a little bit more into that for our bonus material. I do. So, all right, back in the day, we're talking turn of the century. century. So like back, before back the last, in the day. Yeah, back, back in the day, like right. early 1900s. There was a spot in Manhattan where all the music publishers and songwriters congregated, and it came to be known as Tin Pan Alley. So there's some debate as to where the name came from, whether it was derogatory reference to the sound of a bunch of of tinny pianos clanking away, or if it was because many of the artists modified their pianos to give them a percussive sound. So like a tin can. Yeah. So regardless, the term became synonymous with the music industry here in the States. So as copyright laws began to emerge, publishers, songwriters, composers, lyricists, they all began to work together so they could make all of the monies. So this, this area of <laughs> all the, the monies. Went all the monies. So this area of New York became a hotbed for all of that collaboration of music publishing. So let's hear some of the classics that have come from this era. Starting so many. I mean, there there's a lot, right? So we're not we can't even we don't even have enough time, really, yeah. to talk about it. But let's start with one of the greatest songwriters of all time, Irvin Berlin. Now, this man wrote over 1,500 songs, many of them hits, and, and wrote uh, for movies, Broadway, yeah. I mean, you name it. 1,500 songs, man. man. Think about that. Well, since this is a show about sampling, yes, we're going to play some taco. Is that right? Yeah. So there's tacos in the st- Jules, you <laughs> no, holding out? No, Eric, you stealing no. my tacos? <laughs> there are actually no tacos. No, oh, uh, I'm referring... I'm hungry. To the, uh, yeah. <laughs> to the classic Irving Berlin tune that the artist, the artist Taco. Yeah. I don't, where does is that name come named from? artist named Taco? Yeah. You know this song. Is his last name yeah. Bell? I'm kidding. <laughs> no, stop it. I'm kidding. Cool Papa Taco <laughs> Bell? No. <laughs> yeah, so Taco made this smash hit. You remember this, 1982, putting on the Ritz. Come on, Toad. Oh, Let's yeah, hear yeah. it. Let's hear it. Trying hard to look like Gary Cooper. Come let's mix where Rockefellers walk with mm-hmm. sticks. Yeah. This was a jam. Put it was, it 80s, was something, baby. <laughs> it was something. Ladies and gentlemen, that's Joe being nice. <laughs> it was something. I dig it. This is fun. It's cool. Do you remember any other songs from Taco? Just saying. No. Okay, I just asked him. No. I think he had a song called Put Cheese on It. Remember that one? You remember that one? <laughs> hold the tomatoes. Yeah, hold the tomatoes. You brought it full circle, though, partner. You brought it full circle. Ray Charles and his stint at the Ritz oh, Theater. See? Yeah, I try. So so what do you say we pay homage to another Tin Pan Alley artist who is right here from our home city of Cleveland, Ohio? I love it. I believe you are referring to the one and only Ernest Ball who, though he was not Irish himself, mm-hmm. he apparently knew enough about Irish eyes to create a hit. Yes, he did. So let's hear Bing Crosby's version of that song. When Irish Eyes Are Smiling, which has been recorded over 200 times. Yeah. So I wonder, so are we talking takes? 
Like you couldn't get the words right. You kept up <laughs> two hundred different artists. My I mean, friend, Mike, have done oh this. wow! Right. It's not yeah. even including the takes. No, don't go, don't don't do Bing <laughs> like that. He he was a one take master. I'm Bing, sure. Bing was it was yeah. He, he he's legit. Let's hear that. When Irish eyes are smiling, mm-hmm. sure it's like a morning spring in the lilt of Irish laughter. I feel like I'm in a Disney movie. Like mm-hmm. Bambi's going to be rolling up here soon. Mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like I'm at home on Sunday watching a black and white movie with, with, with yeah. the parents and the yeah. family sitting there chilling. Yeah. So here's another cool factoid. Ernest was the grandfather of Ernie Ball, who mm. would go on to create a guitar string empire. In fact, I'm 100% certain that I've got some slinkies strung up on my strap right now. So really good chance. kind of a cool, cool little family history there. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. So Tin Pan Alley brought together some epic collaborators like Richard Rodgers and Lorenz Hart. Mm. Now, among their many hits was 1937's My Funny Valentine. Let's hear a version of that by the incomparable Etta James. Funny Valentine Sweet Comic Valentine Her note choices You make me smile With my heart Well, let's hear how Kanye sampled that for his track Addiction Again, off the 2005 album, Late Registration. So before we play that... oh I see you getting this excited. This is one of my favorite songs from <sighs> Kanye. Okay. My boy Brandon, who's yeah. my rhyme partner, Siege, we we talk about this song all the time. Really? We used to talk about it. I was like, yeah, this, this beat is so... This beat is crazy. It's so, cool. Let's get into it. Let's do it. It's almost like psychedelic it the is way psychedelic. they do it, right? And then you just get Etta thrown in there. Yeah, it was good. It was good. So Rogers and Hart penned another classic in 1934, Blue Moon. Now let's hear how the Marcells turned it into a number one hit in 1961. Love this song. Right? You gotta who, start to Who doesn't stuff. love this song? Yeah, I know. But I'll be honest, when I hear this song, I think of the movie Babe and those those three mice. <laughs> they're singing, they're singing yeah, like they're I think of Greece, actually. But Do you? Yeah, because uh, I think it was Shanana in Greece. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Speaking of which, I remember, I remember seeing Shanana perform back in the day. They had their own show. I do. And I, I wanted to be Bowser so bad. Did you? I did. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> It's all right, man. Ain't nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. So you weren't the only one with a love for, for bass vocals. Let's hear how Run DMC sampled the Marcel's version of Blue Moon for the 1990 track, Bob Your Head. Here comes some Run, yo, Jay, yo, D, ho, Bob, Bob Your Head. See, you just kind of tuck it back in there. Boom, boom. So good. I like yeah. those sneaky samples, you know? Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, it is cool. That is cool. 
We call that digging in the crates, my friend. Yep, You've been digging that hard for a sample. Well, we can't even begin to scratch the surface on this part of America's musical history. There are so many recognizable, iconic names that were part of Tin Pan Alley. We got Cole Porter, Oscar Hammerstein, mm. the, the King of Ragtime, Scott Joplin, mm. George Gershwin. Oh my like, God. there's so many names. So we could easily do a, a whole season with just this topic yeah. alone. But sadly, we are out of time. All right, my friend, we have covered a lot of ground, beginning yes, with Ray Charles and our first featured track, Bye Bye Love, and then Charlie Puth, who was featured on our second track, See You Again by Wiz Khalifa. What do we have lined up for our next episode? We are going to examine bacterial infections Whoa. and how they can be enemies of the public. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, all right, sounds good. Take you, you down to the CDC. <laughs> so we, that's where we're going to go. <laughs> well, you bring the bass, I'll bring the noise. Yes. And until we see you again, bye-bye, loves, and we'll catch you next time on Rips on Rips. Keep listening. Huzzah. Riffs on Riffs is a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thanks to executive producers, Joan Andrews and Michael D'Aloya. Producer, Julie Fink. Audio engineer, Eric Coltnow. You can listen to more episodes of Riffs on Riffs by finding us on iTunes, Stitcher, or visit evergreenpodcast.com. And don't forget, if you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us an iTunes review. It really helps. I'm your host, Joe Watson. And I'm your co-host, Toby Braswell. Thank you for listening to Riffs on Riffs. I'm a grown-up. Me too. Yep, me too. But you know, these days, being a grown-up can really suck. Luckily, we're grown-ups who grew up in the coolest generation. We had video arcades. And also some of the best TV and movies ever made. We lived the origin of awesome consumer electronics. The list goes on and on. Yep, Generation X. Exactly. And we're Gen X Grown-Up. Every week, the Gen X Grown-Up podcast explores media, tech, toys, games, and more from both yesterday and today. Through the eyes of Generation Xers who absolutely love that stuff. You can find us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Or find us on our website, genxgrownup.com. Alright, you think that was good enough? I I hope so, man. I'm tired. (laughs) Who listens to a promo on a podcast and then goes and listens to a different podcast? I've never done it. This podcast was produced with the support of the Ohio Motion Picture Tax Credit and in partnership with the Ohio Development Services Agency.